Why is tummy time so important when it comes to motor milestones? Is it okay for a baby to skip crawling and just bum scoot? What are the different age ranges when it comes to reaching milestones such as turning or crawling or walking? All this and more in today's episode. Welcome to Curious Neuron, a podcast about child development and education with information that is backed by science. I am your host, Cindy Huffington. I have a doctorate degree in neuroscience and postdoctoral training in education. My specialties are understanding how the brain develops and how play promotes learning. I love searching through science articles to see what I could apply with my own three kids, and I want to share this information with you. Follow Curious Neuron on Instagram to vote for the topics I'll cover and send in your questions for the experts. For more information, visit us at CuriousNeuron.com. Hello friends, welcome back. For today, I really wanted to cover um, the motor milestones and speak with a um, pediatric physiotherapist because, you know, given the coronavirus right now, we're all home and there might be some people who've had babies and they don't have the opportunities like we did before this lockdown um, where we're going to mommy groups and discussing various developmental milestones or getting some help. And I thought it'd be important to speak with a physiotherapist so that we could understand why tummy time is important or learn what type of environment helps your child really develop those motor skills and that strength. Motor milestones are really important when it comes to infancy and a baby because unlike with toddlers where we're working on cognitive milestones and language milestones, with a baby we're really focusing on their movement, so these motor milestones. Before I begin the interview, I just want to remind you that if you'd like to vote for the topics I cover for my podcast or even for for my posts on Instagram, search curious underscore neuron and follow us. And this way you could answer some of the questions that I post. I have quizzes and, and poll questions. And we also have more Instagram lives going on right now, as well as uh, ask the expert on Tuesday. So I invite different people in pediatrics, Um, to answer your questions and you can also find lots of new blog posts on our website at curiousneuron.com. If you've been listening to our podcast, I'd love to get some feedback from you. Um, Email me at info at curiousneuron.com and please rate the podcast on iTunes and leave a review. Now here's my interview with Kasha. My guest today is a pediatric physiotherapist from Ontario, Canada. She runs the account called Motor Milestone Physio on Instagram, where you can get lots of information about your baby's development, such as tummy time or when it's the right time to see a physiotherapist. And that's exactly what we're talking about today. My guest today is Kasha. Hi, Kasha. Hi, Cindy. Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> Thanks for coming. So um, I think that motor development is is interesting to talk about because it's always what we discuss between parents and between moms. You know, is your baby <laughs> turning yet? Is your baby crawling yet? Oh, they just started crawling yesterday. Are they walking yet? So it's always <laughs> something that we're kind of putting pressure on, but always getting those questions, even from family members. Aren't they mm. walking yet? They should be walking. Um, so <laughs> I, I think it's going to be fun to talk about, you know, all these milestones and 
when is it the right time to see a physiotherapist? When should we, we be worried as parents? Um, so I guess um, before we begin, I'd just like to get a, a better idea of the clientele that you work with and what sort of things you do as a pediatric physiotherapist. Absolutely. Yeah. So as a pediatric physio, we actually see anyone from as early as birth, really, up until about 18 years of age. So we see a lot of motor development, which is probably 50 to 75% of my caseload and why I'm so passionate about it. Mm -hmm. um, but I also see kids who are athletes and have injuries come out of um, injuries because of fractures or as well some little ones who have medically compromised immune systems or are fragile medically who come in as well. So we kind of do see everyone across the age span, but as well in terms of different conditions. So it's a lot of fun being a pediatric physio because <laughs> no day is really the same. Um, but like I said, most of my kids are probably under the age of two and the most fun I would say as a pediatric physio, <laughs> though some could argue otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're just seeing them for a little while, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it works out. <laughs> So these clients that you're seeing that are under the age of two, what are the issues that they're coming to see you with? Yeah, great question. So a lot of times I'm seeing little ones specifically probably under the age of four to six months um, for things like torticollis, which is a big word that's thrown around, um, mm -hmm. which basically just means muscle tightness um, in the neck, which causes them to prefer to either look to one side, tilt their head one way or a combination of the two. Um, and sometimes that can actually lead to what's called uh, plagiocephaly, so flattening of one side of the head, which is another big topic and big reason little ones will come in to see a pediatric physio. Um, some of the older ones do come in for more of those gross motor milestones, so they're delayed in their skills. Um, it could be because they had a preference to look one way, so they're used to only using one side of their body. Um, mm -hmm. But sometimes, you know, just by the way they're positioned at home or their play environment doesn't allow for them to explore. So mm -hmm. some of their skills really do get delayed. So things like not rolling quite on time, not crawling at all, or crawling in some of those modified kind of bum scoot or bear crawl positions, um, things like not being able to walk as well um, or not walking at all just yet. Um, mm -hmm. And then once they get to about under two, I still see some of those late walkers, but sometimes things just in terms of delayed skills like jumping, throwing, catching, all that kind of stuff falls under the realm or the umbrella of pediatric physio. And so you're saying that if a newborn or a baby who's a few weeks old starts with that muscle tightness or the, the head shape um, abnormalities, that that could lead to all of the, like a delay in the rest of their milestones? Yeah, it wow. actually does. So um, a lot of times when we have little ones that come in for neck tightness, mm -hmm. I always educate families that, you know, we are looking to make sure that that muscle is stretched out. The opposite side of the head gets stronger so that the head stays in the middle. Um, but we still want to follow them throughout, um, usually up until a year of age or up until the point that they can do a new skill symmetrically. So a lot of times as the baby is growing, their bones tend to actually grow a little bit faster um, than their muscles. So sometimes that habit kind of comes back where they'll tilt towards one side or prefer to look one way. Um, and so we don't want that to translate into a new skill such as rolling because they'll start rolling only over one, one side. side. Okay. And mm -hmm. then they're going to be strengthening that one side of their body 
So once they start getting into positions where they need to use both sides of their body, such as pulling up to standing or the bigger milestone of walking, if one side of your body is stronger than the other, you're not going to be able to bear weight on that weaker side. So walking can ten tends to be actually delayed um, mm -hmm. if they have a predisposed like torticollis or that head spot or flatness, wow. sorry. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, it, what can a parent do if um, like to prevent this? I, I'm thinking back to my kids when they were newborns. And when they would sleep on me, they seemed to always put their head to one direction. And when mm -hmm. they would sleep in their crib, they would also seem to face a certain direction. So should we be turning their heads or is there anything else that we can do to try to prevent this? Yeah, great question. So kind of what you already said, I always educate families if they're coming in before this issue has arisen. So maybe they're coming in for something a little bit different um, or I'm educating them on protocols trying to position their head, flipping them in the crib is one way to do it. You can mm -hmm. flip their head actually looking towards the opposite side. So that takes a little bit more time um, mm -hmm. just because as they're sleeping, they naturally will just roll to one side. Um, so we don't want parents to be waking up every hour switching their little one's no. head. Um, <laughs> but things to do would be tummy time is huge for um, kind of ameliorating any of those issues with neck tightness or looking a certain way so if you notice your little one is always looking towards the right when they're in tummy time they have to not only keep their head up so trying to keep it in the middle but you also want to encourage them to look in that opposite direction to not only stretch out that side of the neck but then also trying to get them to look in that opposite um, direction and start strengthening their head to look in that position other thing how do we, how do we get them to do that maybe a, a baby shaker or something that makes noise to get them to turn or yeah yeah, yeah. So easy ways to do it i always say doing tummy time on your chest is an easy way to do oh, it yeah mm -hmm. like you can get that social bonding you can get that eye contact with your little one if you have noise toys or things that have lights or sound that's another big stimulus that'll draw mm -hmm. your little one to look in that direction mm -hmm. um, i'll also encourage families to if they have a yoga ball at home. So some families will have it for fitness. Mm -hmm. Some will have it to sit at their own desk, actually. Mm -hmm. um, so you can place your little one on a yoga ball. And the nice thing about it is, obviously, if they're right on top of that yoga ball, it's as though they're on the floor. So it's a little bit trickier. But mm -hmm. if you pull them a little bit backwards so that they're almost on an incline, it makes it a little bit easier to actually do tummy time. And then you can put them in front of a mirror or something like that where you can have them doing tummy time in an easier position and then also encouraging them to actually look towards that side that they're not oh. always looking towards so there's simple mm -hmm. things at home that families have but just don't necessarily know that they have or mm -hmm. know that they can use at home I never would have thought of the uh, the yoga ball <laughs> yeah really cool. and easier I always say if they don't have a yoga ball as well I always will um sit on the floor with families and put a little one on my thighs so like my feet are on the floor oh, yes. and my knees are a little bit bent and again if your legs are fully flat it's as though the little one's on the floor but if you bend your knees upward they're on a little bit of an incline so kind of doing the same thing as having a yoga ball and you can do the same thing have a toy in front of them have the toy on a couch so that you don't have to hold it or put them in front of a mirror as well and mm -hmm. can do the same thing as having mm -hmm. a yoga ball we had spoken about tummy time very briefly in a previous um, podcast episode, and we, we that's where we sort of learned that it's really important to start tummy time as of birth from the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, 
But now what happens when, um, I don't know, your child starts crawling or, um, you know, they're sort of done with tummy time? Is there a time where we stop it or do we try to continue playing on, on their tummy? Yeah, so I always say tummy time should never really end. I mean, a couple of days ago, I was on my tummy and just making sure <laughs> I'm doing it every like 15 minutes a day, um, oh just because as your little one becomes more mobile, obviously keeping them on their stomach is not going to last long. Uh, they're going to be wanting to crawl around and move around, um, but you still want to encourage that position as they get older. Usually it'll start happening in about two or three where you can actually keep them in that position. Mm -hmm. um, one of the benefits is obviously they're putting weight through their hands. They're getting some of that weight bearing through it. So they're still strengthening those arms up until they're in school age. Wow. Um, so not only are they getting that input there, but also posture, right? So a lot of times they're going to be playing with something that's going to be probably lower or below them on the floor. So they're mm -hmm. going to get in that kind of slouched posture. So being in tummy time, they're now arching their back a little bit backwards, extending through that rib cage as well. Um, mm -hmm. So they're working on maintaining that posture. Um, if you can get them at a younger age to be in tummy time, sometimes we'll have, I'll educate families that they can lay their one or two year old on a couch cushion on the floor, um, put their hands a little bit further out. So the couch cushion is kind of at their hips kind of like a modified wheelbarrow position. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then they can do a puzzle, um, even if that lasts only one or two minutes. Again, it's just maintaining that ability to be in that position so that they don't get into positions like a slouch posture mm -hmm. or being on their back if they're younger. Um, okay. So I always say there's no real uh, time that tummy time should really stop. Okay, that's interesting. I, I never thought about that. I just thought once they stopped, it was over. Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that's, I, that's good to know. Yeah. A lot of families will think that. And mm -hmm. a lot of times that I say, you know what, try this position to do a modified tummy time. They're like, oh, yeah, like I never thought. <laughs> yeah, I also never thought of having your baby on your chest as tummy time. And that's yeah. an interesting way because, you know, sometimes they're sleeping on us and then they wake up and we immediately put them on their back or we mm -hmm. hold them in a certain way. But if we just keep them on our chest, we, I know that with my babies, they would just lift their head up to look at you. Yeah, so I guess that's a good way to get them to move around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think there's a there's a lot of different ways that people are talking about tummy time. I definitely find that some doctors um will tell families that tummy time is solely being on the floor where you put weight yeah. through your hands and your arms. And I absolutely agree with that. Mm -hmm. um, but I think at a younger age, kind of under three to four months, tummy time is really just about getting little ones to lift their head upwards. Okay. That's what mm -hmm. we call extension of the neck. Um, because at that age, they're not really moving. The only thing that they have control of is their head and their neck. Um, so weight bearing through their arms is great to kind of get that early weight bearing and early strengthening, but really any position where they, for example, you have them on your arm and they're just lifting their head up above gravity should be considered tummy time since that's mm -hmm. the really the only thing that they can control. Mm -hmm. And what can a parent do if their child doesn't like tummy time? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so I always say, you know, it's going to be hard the first couple of times you're probably going to be crying. Um, but usually that means not that they're upset or that they're in pain, but that it's just a little bit too difficult for them. Mm -hmm. um, so usually I'll start off with telling families if your little one really isn't um, enjoying tummy time, 
try to give it 15 to 30 seconds. Let them be in that position. If not, you can easily just get a rolled up, like receiving blanket or spit up blanket, roll mm -hmm. it up, oh, just a little bit and put it underneath them. So it's kind of at their armpit height. Mm -hmm. So basically they'll be propped up onto this receiving blanket or you can have the arms in front, but it should just incline them slightly. And usually that'll help, like I mentioned, when you're doing it on the yoga ball, if you're fully on top or your baby story is fully on top of the yoga ball, mm -hmm. all the weight of gravity is on top of their head. So trying to lift up that head is going to be so difficult for them. Yeah. So if you just put them on an incline, like a little rolled up towel or on a yoga ball itself or on your thighs and incline them upward, there's less pressure and less gravity working against them. So it's a little bit easier for a little one to do that. So usually I'll say start there and then you can gradually decrease that incline until they're able to actually hold up their head on a fully flat surface against mm -hmm. gravity. And in the end, it's not about doing it for a long period of time. It's about, from what I learned, doing it very often. So if they don't like it, it's okay to do it 15, 30 seconds, but then doing it often throughout your day. Yeah. So I usually okay. will say try to get in small bouts at the beginning when you're first starting. So you'd mentioned mm -hmm. like right when they come home. Mm -hmm. um, from the delivery, you should start tummy time, whether that's on your chest or on the floor, just mm -hmm. to get them used to that position. Um, but yeah, starting them off in small bouts, 30 seconds to a minute and it's minute, sorry, and then slowly increasing it. We usually have the benchmark that under about three to four months, you should be getting 30 minutes of tummy time or your baby should be getting 30 minutes of tummy time cumulatively. So okay. that doesn't mean at once, it can be yeah. in small bursts of one minute and you know, you might get up to five minutes at one point, but mm -hmm. doing that throughout the day. Um, and then after four months or so, up until the point that they're in that crawling stage, you're not really staying on their tummy, they should be getting up to an hour, which seems like a lot. Um, but I'll usually tell families that, you know, just put on a timer, do tummy time for five to 10 minutes on the floor, do it on your chest for another five to 10 minutes throughout the day, you know, mm -hmm. put them on a yoga ball. It'll go by quicker than you think, but cumulatively, yeah, if you do it in small little bouts, it'll all add up. Mm -hmm. And I guess that gives us an activity to do with our child because I'll, I'll get the question of, you know, what can we do to stimulate a baby? And at that age, it's not about, you know, certain toys. It's really about just giving them that environment, that freedom to move, which is on their tummy and, and allows them to look around. You put a mirror in front of them. They don't need much um, yeah. when it comes to toys oh no not uh, at all like no. I, I have family members that will put um water in plastic bags or shaving mm -hmm. cream in plastic bags paint whatever it might be um on the floor and just giving them not only a new thing to look at but it can be a sensory thing too where if it's rice or something they're feeling something on their tummy in with the their bag. hands yeah yeah um, so yeah, you don't need to have any of these expensive toys with lots of lights and sounds mm -hmm, and everything true. like that. It can be just simple things at home that you have. And um, so obviously, this is what we need to do to try to prevent, you know, head shape uh, abnormalities or other issues that could come. Mm -hmm. Now, this is not a milestone, though. Now, let's talk maybe about um, the first one would be turning, I think, um, in a baby. Is it turning front to back or back to front as yeah, in terms of first rolling. motor? Yeah. Okay. Rolling, yeah. yeah. So usually, um, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So um, when, at what age should we be looking out for, for this, for this milestone to, 
to for our child to achieve this milestone yeah so usually when we're talking about milestones i like to kind of go in quarters of their life so zero mm -hmm. to three months then four to six and onwards um so usually zero to three months we're really looking at head control itself so making sure that they can lift up their head fully can they look from side to side when they're on their back on their tummy uh, and then tilting their head uh, rolling tends to come in and around that age, three to four, five months. But the way they tend to roll first will be from their tummy to their back. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason for that is I'll usually have families do it. If you're on your tummy and you look behind your shoulder, the weight of a baby's head actually flips them over. Oh, yeah. And it's so cute. <laughs> oh, it's so cute. I and they love do it. it. I know. Sometimes they get scared in clinic. Yeah. And they start crying. <laughs> So the first time they do it, I love seeing it. Just their face of like, what just happened? Yeah, it's like a shock <laughs> yeah. to them. Yeah. It's like they have like a little lemon piece in their mouth and they're like, ooh, what just happened? Yeah. <laughs> it's so shocking, yeah. but so cute. Uh, yeah. But they just don't know any better because like we were talking about, their head is the only thing that they were able to control. Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden, it's not only the biggest part of them, but it's now turning them and all of a sudden their body goes with them so um that you they're seeing an entire new world too now they're right, seeing exactly. the ceiling they're yeah. like well, how did i get here yeah um so usually that one will come first um mm. just like i mentioned it's mm -hmm. the weight of their head will kind of just roll them onto uh their backs um so in and around kind of three to four months we start seeing that a lot of times families will work on um having them on playing on their side as well during three to zero to three months is a big thing that physios will give oh, yeah. as an exercise. So sometimes that might come a little bit earlier, or you mm -hmm. might notice that they'll start turning from that side um, onto their back as well. When you say playing on their side, you mean on a specific side or literally on the side of their body? Yeah, on the side of their body. So oh, wow. a lot of times because we are talking about, you know, flat head syndrome or plagiocephaly is so huge um, mm -hmm. nowadays, now that they're spending a lot more time on their back or sleeping. Mm -hmm. um, so instead of always being on tummy time, I'll always suggest having, if they have plagiocephaly, lying on the side um, opposite to their flat spot. So they're not putting okay. pressure there. Um, mm -hmm. But if I'm seeing someone for a gross motor or gross development, then I'll say, yeah, side lying is a great position. Not only does it allow the kids to actually bring their hands together, which is actually a milestone we we will look for. It's not a common one um, mm. that we always check off, but we want to make sure that babies are able to bring their hands inward um, mm. just because they spend so much time on their tummy where they're stretching out all those muscles that we want to make sure that they can bring it together, use their core and all that kind of stuff. Um, is that around three or four months as well? Yeah, so around okay. three, they start bringing their hands uh, together. They also start bringing their knees towards their chest as well. Um, so again, that ab control is starting to come in a little bit when they're on mm -hmm. their back. Um, so sideline just kind of puts them in a position where they can have their hands a little bit closer. So that's also a nice kind of benefit of being in that position outside of getting them off uh, the back of their head as well. Mm -hmm. Is that around the time they start eating their, their toes? <laughs> that comes a little bit later. So around six okay. months, that's when they start getting grabbing yeah. for their feet. Um, that's another cute one. <laughs> that's a very cute one, I know. Is that considered a milestone? Is that something they need to, to do for their development? Um, so when pediatric physios are going through milestones, we have an outcome measure that we use. Um, mm -hmm. It's called the AIMS or the Alberta Infant Motor Scale. 
Mm -hmm. um, and so there's a ton of milestones that they should be reaching. We don't always talk about them. Mm -hmm. um, so they can be simple things as, you know, being able to transition, transition from their side um, up into sitting, for example, when they're a little bit older. So usually we'll just say um, when we're talking with families that we want them to be able to sit to get onto their hands and knees, but we won't go the, through the specific minutia of it. Mm -hmm. um, but definitely bringing, being able to bring their feet towards their hands, again, symmetrically is usually what we're looking for, um, mm -hmm. is a milestone that we would like to see. Usually it's not something that lasts for a long time. So that's why maybe we don't talk about it as much. So mm -hmm. if a family member says, oh yeah, they've reached for their feet before, it's kind of like a check mark for us. Okay. Um, yeah. Whereas things like rolling or crawling or sitting independently, we don't want it to be a one and done kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, we want them to obviously be able to maintain that position, use it as a position to transition in and out of. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, it's definitely hands to feet is something that we look out for as physios. And then at what age would turning from back to belly be at? Yeah, so that one is a more interesting one, I will say. I, it usually does happen in between four to six, four to seven months. Um, but when we talk about milestones, I always preface when I'm talking with families that it's obviously a range. So mm -hmm. I'm saying zero, three months, this should be happening. And I don't want families to listen into the podcast and say, oh, my child is not doing it or didn't do that until four or five months. Mm -hmm. um, so when we talk about milestones, usually the 50% of little ones will achieve the milestone at that time. So zero, three mm -hmm. months yeah. of them will usually have it. Another 25% of them might do it a little bit earlier. Um, so sometimes you'll hear about um, family members saying that their child was walking at nine months. Mm -hmm. So some kids will walk early and they're in that 25% category. Um, and then we have another 25% that are usually a little bit later or delayed. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a range where they can be in, but sometimes, you know, if they're a month or two off, it's not, it's not abnormal. Um, mm -hmm. But there's definitely not a specific time that at four months or at six months they have to be doing something there's a little bit of leeway um for at what point can a parent know okay now it's time for me to go see my doctor and tell them about this or maybe see um, a physiotherapist mm -hmm. yeah so when a lot of times family members will check in on somebody's development charts or be talking to their doctors um, and they'll know when certain skills should be happening um, i usually say if a child doesn't develop a new skill over kind of two to four weeks, um, then that's a point where you should kind of consult with your doctor or with a pediatric physio. Mm -hmm. Or if you're noticing over two to three, four weeks, again, that they're only doing things over one side. So a little bit asymmetrically. Mm -hmm. um, so the reason we give a range is again, I want to give that child that opportunity to do um, a new skill, I want them to be able to explore things. Obviously, the earlier they come in, the better. Um, if you're waiting after four weeks, closer to six weeks, maybe eight weeks, um, then your baby's growing, your baby's getting stronger, they're starting to learn how to move their body in that specific way that they know how to do that. 
Mm -hmm. So to try to break that, it's going to be difficult. They're only going to know how to do things one way. And now you bring in a physio or you bring in a mom who's going to tell their baby to, oh no, you have to go over this side if you want to come into sitting. (laughs) Maybe a lot of tears sometimes. (laughs) Um, But, you know, we, we want to get to a point where they're not strong enough yet and they haven't built up those connections or um, neurological pathways just yet um, to the point that we can't um, easily fix things. Mm -hmm. So I'm a big proponent of early intervention. So coming in between two and four weeks, if you're not noticing any new activity, like new Mm -hmm. skills um, or advancement of skills, or you're noticing um, asymmetries, then I would usually say consult your GP or you can, you can go see a physio whenever you don't need a referral for that. Um, And so, so although there might not be a delay, you're better off between that two to four week mark, seeing somebody just um, have an evaluation. Yeah, I guess. To, yeah, exactly. So I'll usually mm-hmm. say, you know, if you as an adult fractured or, you know, sprained something or injured something and, you know, you see that it's bruising, you see that it's swelling, but you're like, oh, we're going to wait a little bit. And then, you know, you wait four or five, six weeks, it's not getting better. And then you go in and you realize there was a fracture. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's not the same thing in a child. There's not going to be anything but, broken. Yeah. <laughs> um, but why wait that time? You know, yeah. there mm-hmm. is the need to get an x-ray for your injury to notice that there's a fracture, you would have had that a little bit earlier. Um, but if you came in earlier, maybe there wasn't going to be a fracture or you would have get, gotten treatment earlier, meaning that your prognosis is going to go a little bit faster. Um, and so I'll always say you're better to check in. And if there really isn't anything going on, then at least you can check mark that off and say, you know what, at least I went in and things are all good. Or mm-hmm. you'll get some recommendations in terms of milestones that you might not have been aware of as a family member. Um, so there's really no harm in coming in. Um, but I know there's a lot of talk about this wait and see model, which yeah, yeah, I'm not a huge proponent for. Yeah. Um, so I'm as you are trying to educate exactly yeah. to kind of just come in and and you know get an assessment done. There's no real harm in that mm-hmm. at all. So what would be the range for um, turning the opposite direction, just so that we know, um, for just for parents to know? Yeah, so between yeah. four and six months, they'll start learning to kind of roll over uh, the opposite way. So going from their back onto their tummy. Mm-hmm. You, this can come anywhere um, up to about nine months, though. So that's where I was oh, wow. talking about, yeah, yeah, how there is that big range. Um, so that the reason for that is it's a big transition so when they're on their back they have to get their ab muscles going they have to get their lower body moving they have to get their arms going their head moving whereas going from their tummy to their back is just a quick swift movement of that head Mm -hmm. that flops them over (laughs) yeah um so usually in and around that range is when they'll start going from their backs to their tummy um and does that delay let's say you have a baby who takes a little bit longer to turn that direction mm-hmm. will that delay um sitting and crawling uh so it can it doesn't always necessarily go hand in hand mm-hmm. usually where we see kind of delays are if kids are not learning a new skill um so you know they might not be rolling from their back to their tummy just yet but mm-hmm. if they're 
at least um, gaining new skills such as sitting. Sitting comes mm -hmm. in around kind of six to eight months. They get really good at it. Mm -hmm. um, um, making sure that they're crawling as well. So are they at about eight, nine, ten months starting to get into hands and knees position? So, so long as they're gaining new skills, then, then I'm okay with it. Um, that doesn't mean that I'm not going to encourage family members to still work on rolling. Um, mm -hmm. But I also add in, you know, if they're not really rolling yet, maybe there's things like their abs or their core strength is just not there yet. So we'll work on a lot of things um, where they're sitting on unstable surfaces. So they get those abs a little bit um, stronger reaching in and out of different positions to get their um, abs a little bit stronger. So mm -hmm. you don't always have to be working on a specific skill in order for a, a child to actually attain it. Um, sometimes, you know, small things like not having core strength can kind of prevent them from doing a skill. So, so long as they're progressing um, in terms of their milestones that I'm not too worried that one specific skill isn't there just yet, they will eventually mm -hmm. get it. Um, I'm more so looking for, is there a delay in skills moving forward and are they only doing things um, over one side or asymmetrically? You spoke about core. Would being in a car seat too long or any of these containers, um, could that delay or, or stop, not stop, but would, can that prevent a baby from developing those core muscles? Yeah, absolutely. So there's um, a lot of times family members will have things like a bumbo seat. So those little mm -hmm. chairs that you can put them in an extra saucer or those swings, um, containers, anything like that. Mm -hmm. um, I'm totally fine with family members using them. Um, I always say, you know, if you need to go cook dinner or do the laundry, whatever it might be, you mm -hmm. need to put your kid in something, especially if they're very active um, yeah. or if they're tiny, but um, making sure that they're not in that longer than 30 minutes. So at once. So if mm -hmm. they are, that's totally fine. But then you do want to counter that with about 30 minutes of being in an active play position. So on their tummy, mm -hmm. um, working on skills, rolling, allowing them to explore their environment. So they don't necessarily um, delay skills in a sense, but if they're in it for longer then absolutely, they're not using any of their muscles to keep themselves upright in any of those containers. They're slouched, just like if you were to sit in a couch, which mm -hmm. I usually do on the weekend, <laughs> you get nice and cozy, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. You're not <laughs> using any of your ab muscles. You're not using any of your postural muscles. Um, so the same thing goes for keeping your kids in them. Mm -hmm. um, if it's longer than half an hour, absolutely. They're not getting that ability to move and explore. Um, but if it's under half an hour, then it's totally okay. okay. And that applies, I guess, for the car seat as well. Because I'm, I'm thinking of parents that I've spoken with who had a baby that only slept uh, once you'd give, you know, you'd put them in the car and you go for a little ride and then they, <laughs> they'd fall asleep. Yeah. Would what, what can a parent do if um, you want to prevent that, right? Because then perhaps the baby's spending a lot of time in the car seat. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah, we have a lot of families that come in um, to our clinic that live, you know, 45 minutes out of the city or an hour mm. or they're going on road trips, right? Cottage season. Well, yeah. Fingers crossed. Well, hopefully yeah. It'll be a bit different this year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so sometimes you're going to be in a car seat for a while and, you know, obviously those situations, they might be in it a little bit longer, but I always just say, you know, it doesn't take a lot of time for family members to do a pit stop or go grab some gas, get out of the car. Um, every 45 minutes or so 
Mm -hmm. We as adults need to be moving and stretching as well. That's um, true. Yeah. So you can get your baby out of that car seat. And again, it doesn't have to be for a long period of time, even if it's five minutes that they're out of it. Um, it just, again, we want to make sure that they're able to use those muscles, activate it for a little bit, and then yeah. you can put them back in there. Um, mm -hmm. I'll usually suggest if they're in the car seat, um, that they have, you know, if they're a little bit older, um, or there's a family member back there, any sort of like, you can put pillows in there or a little bit of towel, um, just to make sure that their head stays in the middle as well. Mm -hmm. Um, cause we obviously don't want to be putting them in a position where they're tilting towards that head and they start developing yeah. that neck tightness as well. Mm -hmm. um, so if you're moving them in and out of the car seat every like 45 minutes or so, again, 15 minutes here, or there is not going to make yeah. a huge difference, but you don't want to keep them contained in there for that entire duration of the, of the trip if possible. Mm -hmm. And like you said, we also need to move, right? We feel that tightness when we're, we're stuck in the car for such a long time and they for have sure. the same feeling too. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, I recently learned also um, okay. that you a baby should not skip crawling. And this is something that was new to me because I had always heard of friends or family members that would, you know, rave about a child who skipped crawling. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so can you explain a little bit more about crawling as a milestone <clears throat> and why it's important to, um, to crawl? Yeah, absolutely. So again, similar to the, you know, the wait and see model or the fact that tummy time has to be in a certain position, I find that there's a lot of talk and controversy almost about crawling. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so I talked about how as physios, we use an outcome measure called the AIMS. Um, and on that outcome measure, it does specifically say that kids should be able to get in and out of a sitting position or in and out of their tummy um, through that hands and knee position. And obviously, as they get older, they should be able to crawl hands and knees. Um, and so it has so many benefits, not only does it allow them to weight bear through those hands and those arms, so they're getting those shoulders nice and strong, they're getting that ability to be able to push through and weight bear through those hands, which they're going to obviously need, as they get a little bit older, pushing and pulling things, as they start going to school, being able to write. Um, so it definitely does develop the hands and the upper extremities. Um, but being able to actually crawl is great for brain development, great coordination. Um, we have occupational therapists that work with us at our clinic and they as well love kids that are able to get in and out of that crawling position, be able to um, actually crawl as well because they see sometimes delays in terms of uh, bilateral coordination, crossing midline, for example, is something mm -hmm. that OTs work on. Um, mm -hmm. And they find if a little one is had never crawled or they were delayed in crawling, they see a little bit of that aftermath as they get a little bit older and are starting to work on things like I mentioned, coordination, um, balance, um, crossing midline. Um, mm -hmm. So it's a huge thing that we want to encourage children to do. Um, and again, it not only does that, it strengthens the core. Like there's so many benefits of being in a hands and knees position and mm -hmm. as well getting them in into crawling as well. 
I was looking through some uh, scientific literature. I was trying to find something that will link these motor milestones and and brain development, just because that's that's huh. my part. Um, and I, I came across some really interesting ones where um, they compared babies who started crawling before nine months and after nine months, mm-hmm. and those who had started crawling before nine months had stronger memory skills. Um, where you place uh, an, uh, an object under a blanket mm-hmm. and then you can have two blankets and the child has to remember which blanket it's under. So they, right. were, they were able to perform that skill a little bit better and had stronger... Um, there was another study where they showed they had stronger spatial orientation skills. So that sort of place learning... Um, because they're crawling around the home, I guess they remember, okay, this, here's the staircase, the kitchen is to yeah. the left, and they turn. Um, so that movement, like you said, really helps with brain development. And it was really uh, interesting to see that it impacts literally their cognitive development just by moving around because it oh, allows them, sure. I guess, to see so much. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, you know, they have to get in and out of this position. A lot of kids um, that we see um, go through a position called bum scooting where they're on mm-hmm. their bum and they're either moving both legs, which is a little bit more rare, or they'll have one side, um, one foot up and they're kind of using that to propel themselves. So mm-hmm. yeah, they're so used to using that one side of their body. They're probably turning their body towards one side and only exploring, let's say the right side of the world, but mm-hmm. in a crawling position, your head's moving, you're looking left to right. So if they're not able to get into a crawling position, I absolutely can see why they would be delayed in some of those cognitive mm-hmm. aspects for sure mm-hmm. and um i remember my kids when they were crawling or my son now my 10 month old crawls around and he often gets into that w position mm-hmm. so those your legs i don't know how to explain it <laughs> but your legs are like in a w position with your hips yeah so i, I would guess. say your feet yeah. are on the outside of your bum basically. oh there you go <laughs> <laughs> um i is that bad for him to be in that position Yeah, so W sitting is another big one that um, pediatric physios will see. So Mm -hmm. there's kind of two areas that I like to talk or two categories of W sitters that I like to talk about. So Mm -hmm. we have the functional W sitters and the structural or the positional W W sitters. That is a mouthful to say. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So those functional W sitters, Mm -hmm. um, so long as a kid is in that position and moves in and out of it frequently. So I usually say under about five to 15 minutes. So oh, okay. as as they're not staying in that position. I would love it to be in the five minute range. Mm-hmm. Um, but so long as they're using it as a transitional movement, then I'm normally okay with that. I'm not saying that they should stay in that position. I definitely mm-hmm. encourage families to still correct that position mm-hmm. um, just because the way that the W position puts the child's hips Um, just doesn't put it in a proper position for development. So the hip joint is like a ball and socket joint. Mm -hmm. So by putting them in a W position, they're not actually um, developing that hip and that, sorry, ball and socket joint itself. Mm -hmm. Um, So so you want to kind of encourage crisscross sitting legs out in front of them. Mm -hmm. But again, if they're in that position and then can get in and out of it quite easily and don't stay in that position, Again, I would love to it to be under five minutes, but mm-hmm. if 15 is, is okay as well, then that's fine. But once you get into that area where they are structural or positional W sitters, where they only sit in that position and that is where they stay for long periods of time over 15 minutes, then that's where definitely I would suggest going to see a physio. Um, because again, 
just like I mentioned, W sitting puts the hips in an improper position, but it also doesn't allow them to actually use their core muscles. So a lot of times kids will be in this slouched position. So they're not turning on their abs, they're rounding their back, they're getting in an improper position, but it also doesn't allow for exploration. So if you're in a W position, you're just going to be playing with whatever's in front of you. So not only from a movement position, they're obviously not going to be able to turn their body or their trunk from side to side. So they're not mm. developing those muscles, but yeah. also from a cognitive piece as well, right? They're only going to be playing with whatever's in front of them. They're not going to be able to explore. Um, and I think we've talked about it. And I know a lot of pediatric physios that I work with or have talked to like exploration, um, yes, yeah. exploring your environment is so huge from a physio perspective for development and movement, but also from a cognitive piece yes. as well, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. we don't want to limit them in that way as well. So if they're sitting in that position for prolonged periods of time, yeah, it's definitely not a great thing for them. Now I'm picturing um, a crawling baby and all of a sudden this whole new world opens up to them and anything they can possibly start climbing oh, yeah. <laughs> becomes, becomes their playground, right? Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Um, and then, so after crawling, obviously the next milestone I, I think is, is walking. Um, in between that they're climbing. Do we let them climb? Is that going to help them learn to walk? Um, yeah. or, you know, vertical play, uh, what sort of things are happening in between the crawling and the walking? Yeah. So absolutely. You've kind of nailed it. Obviously the bigger picture would be the walking, but in mm -hmm. between kind of crawling, you, they need to get into that vertical standing position. Um, so we call it pulling to stand where they'll be on their knees. They'll bring one foot up and then they'll lift themselves up into a standing position. Mm -hmm. So usually kids will start doing that at a horizontal surface. So something like a table or a step, if they're crawling up the stairs, for example, in order to get themselves into standing. Um, we want to obviously encourage that in front of a vertical surface as well, which would be something like a wall um, or a, um, a door that might have like a screen on it so they can look out at the world. It's just or windows. Yeah. Yeah. Windows. Exactly. My son loves the window. Yeah. Uh, they're so, again, you <laughs> can put like place. shaving cream on there as well. <laughs> yeah. Families yeah. don't like when I say that, but yeah. Kids do. <laughs> they love it, yeah. yeah. Um, so that's a great, I know, a different development skill that they need to have to pull to stand. Mm -hmm. um, so once they've pulled to stand, they'll obviously stand and play at a surface. Um, but then the next kind of skill or motor milestone that we're looking for is what we call cruising, which basically means at a surface, are they able to take steps sideways, both left and right? Oh, yeah, um, that one's cute too. Oh, I love it. <laughs> they're I, all cute, yeah. They're so... <laughs> Honestly, I have the best job in the world. I'm yeah, no kidding. Outside of your job, baby. Yeah. No, no, but I, I love looking at babies move around and it's you can just so look at them all day and you do that. Yeah, and when they yeah. figure out something new or they don't realize that they're doing something new, that's where I get very excited uh, and family yeah. members will be like, oh my goodness, I didn't know they could do that or uh, I didn't think that they would be able to do that. We've never tried mm -hmm. it. Um, so it's always it's always a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. So now, yeah, I'm, I'm picturing a baby holding onto the crib. Yeah, and then they start that. Uh, you called it scooting. Uh, cruising, cruising. No, cruising. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. So they're they're moving side to side. So that's a, a, a prerequisite, I guess, to, to walk. Yeah, milestones. Okay. So mm -hmm. obviously, there's lots of muscles in our hips and in our lower body. So going up and down in front of something like pulling to stand 
really works on those front muscles and the back muscles, but we also mm-hmm. want to strengthen the side muscles um, as well. So cruising is huge. Um, but once they've kind of mastered that, there's more progressions of their skills and refining of some of those skills before they get to walking. So what I mean by that is, you know, they'll start, you know, maybe standing with one hand on a surface and reaching for something outside um, that's a little bit further. So they're working more on balance um, and stability. So it might not be necessarily a milestone in itself, but we do want to challenge them in those skills that are a little bit harder. So moving in and out of um, something stable, holding on to things that are a little bit less stable. So sometimes I'll encourage families to work on the same sort of skills like cruising or pulling to stand, but rather than doing it at a surface that's rigid, um, like a chair or something solid like furniture, I'll say do it at a couch cushion, see what happens Mm -hmm. then. If it's harder for them to do, they're obviously not ready yet to take steps or um, to do harder skills just yet because they haven't built up those muscles and that's totally okay. We don't Mm -hmm. need to always see a jump in terms of milestones once we get in and around that 10, 11, 12 months age. We Mm -hmm. want to challenge their balance and their stability first before we force them or try to make them do things that are a little bit more complicated. That that goes back to um, playtime, right? Mm -hmm. Again, especially if a child is crawling and in between that crawling and walking stage, everything you just described is allowing them to explore their environment in terms of movement, you know, trying to climb a chair with you present, trying to climb some stairs, the windowsill, anything that allows them to to explore movement in their environment. So I guess, you know, again, that's a question that I receive. What can you do with a a baby around that age? Mm -hmm. And I guess it's just following them around the home rather than blocking parts off because they're dangerous just being with them yeah in that environment yeah i guess yeah that's a huge piece you know outside of being what i like to call physios which not everyone says but i like saying that we're like movement therapists right we're Mm -hmm. watching what kids are doing we're helping them move um but we're also educators so Mm -hmm. obviously with quarantine covid19 now a lot of our physio sessions are virtual And a lot of it really is amazing for me as a physio to see a family's environment and to really educate because sometimes, you know, in clinic, I can tell families to do certain exercises and they might come back and say, you know what, I tried them, they're not really working. And as much as I can try to ask different questions as to what's going on, it's sometimes Mm -hmm. nicer and easier to be able to see what's going on. Mm -hmm. And during our telehealth or virtual sessions, whatever people are calling them now, um, a lot of times I'm really educating families on just changing their environment. And so simple things as, you know, why don't we put this toy rather on the floor or on this tall surface? Why don't we put it on the step of the staircase and see what happens? And then I've had a couple kids that started standing in that session because the surface was just a little bit lower for them. Mm -hmm. They can pull up to that, that position. And then they took the toy, put it in two hands and voila, they're standing. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So a lot of it is, yeah, the environment that your child is in and sometimes without families really knowing the environment they've set up might be a little bit too challenging. They're just not mm-hmm. aware of it. So mm-hmm. there's simple things that physios can do um, to just educate families in terms of putting things on different levels, giving them different 
toys with textures or things that are a little bit more or less stable. Um, and simple changes like that can do wonders outside of obviously giving them exercises to work on as well. Mm-hmm. So just a change in their environment can make a difference in their their movement and their mile, reaching their milestones. Yeah, absolutely. What you're wow. Okay. Yeah. So With- it's similar to like the tummy time, right? Where something might look challenging for a child who's trying to do tummy time, but you put them on a slight towel that's inclined, then they're all of a sudden able to do tummy time a mm-hmm. whole lot better and can do it now for five minutes rather than you know two minutes that they were doing previously mm-hmm. so the same goes for once they're at that stage of actually developing their milestones you know maybe we bring two surfaces uh, two inches closer so they're now only taking one or two steps rather than lunging their bodies towards a surface mm-hmm. there's small things that we can do in the environment that sometimes matter more than doing an exercise five, 10, 15, 20 times throughout the day. What would be a guide for a parent uh, in terms of knowing what to do to challenge them? Um, regard, let's say between zero to 12 months, mm-hmm. um, covering all the milestones that we mentioned. How does a parent know how to provide that little challenge or that sort of exercise to make sure that the environment is stimulating for their, their motor development? Yeah, so we kind of talked about, you know, if they're not really developing a new skill, I usually say two weeks is where I would love that to be, but up until four weeks is okay as well. So if they're not seeing any change in skill, um, that might mean, you know, the surfaces or the environment that they're providing for their child might be a little bit too difficult. So the child is, you know, might be trying to do it. um, But sometimes when we talk about children in physio, we'll say we have those motivated kids or those observers. So Mm -hmm. those motivated kids, no matter what the surface, they will find a way to get themselves there. Um, So you don't have to worry about those kiddos. But some of those like observer children that we call, um, you know, they might try once or twice, but it's a little bit too challenging for them. They're not motivated to do it, so they won't do it. And Mm -hmm. so they'll stick with what they're able to do. Um, so if families are not seeing any big changes in terms of a jump in terms of their skills or similar to what we were talking about with tummy time, you know, they're crying when they're doing a certain position or they're, you know, not really enjoying being on hands and knees or pulling up into standing at a specific surface, you know, they're not, they're never really in pain. Um, sometimes it's just a little bit too challenging and uncomfortable and they can get nervous as well. Um, Mm. So if they're getting any of those kinds of signs as well, they can definitely go chat with uh, a physio to see what they can do to really help them to motivate them and to get their skills moving as well. And I guess for maybe activities or exercises that a parent can do to try to prevent all these or... I don't know if maybe looking at the milestones online. So I, I always refer to the CDC uh, milestones. I don't know if there's something else here in Canada or, or the States that you recommend. Yes. On the website. I actually recommend pathways is a great one. Oh, okay. I think it's yes. pathways.org. Um, and I think they actually, they might have it month by month. I, I haven't checked in recently actually, or it might be every quarter as what I was talking about. And that one has videos as well too, right? I yeah, think. they yeah. do. And they actually go over, they do physical milestones or motor milestones, which is more gross motor, what physio does. Um, mm-hmm. They have communication skills as well. I think they have social skills, things that tap into occupational therapy. So like fine motor stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're actually quite broad. Um, in terms of specific exercises or activities, honestly, I wouldn't, I mean, 
from zero to 12, there's so many things that yeah, children can be doing. But my biggest tip is what we've been talking about, like letting your child explore. Um, mm. I always find that I'm asking a lot of times family members whether a child can do something, but I'll always ask, you know, are they doing it because you put them in a position or are they getting themselves into that position? And I think oh. that's a big distinction because mm-hmm. obviously as your first child, your fifth child, your second, whatever it might be, you're going to be protective over them. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it might be easier to, you know, oh, I'm going to just sit my child down and then we'll play in sitting. They can sit once they're there, um, but they're not allowing their child to move their body to get into a sitting position. Um, so that's mm-hmm. why I always say, you know, allow your child to explore, be by them. So you're close enough. So they're not going to fall and bonk their mm-hmm. head. Yeah. But we really want to see what they can do. We want to give them that opportunity to move their body um, rather than putting them into positions and then seeing whether they can hold them, if that makes sense. Yeah. And we really do protect them. <laughs> we really do protect our kids. Yeah. Um, especially with the first, I think I've seen. So I, I just had my third. And with the first, it was like, you know, careful, don't, don't climb this, don't do that. Yeah. And then the second was like, yeah, well, I kind of have to take care of the first and the second. So you could climb a little bit. And now with the third, it's like, yeah, whatever you need. Yeah. <laughs> whatever you want to do, just go for it. It's fine. You want to climb the stairs? Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Here you go. Yeah. They're all going to get to the milestones they need to. <laughs> yeah. But I, I don't know if this is common, but the my third has been reaching his milestones, his motor milestones, much more quickly than the first two. And I think it's because he's been given so much freedom. Yeah. Um, and I guess he wants to follow his older siblings, but he, he really has the most freedom and he's just been moving around absolutely and i mean yeah. there's so many factors as to why yeah. they might be doing it but for sure yeah. right like <laughs> that freedom. give them that yeah. opportunity to do it it's not always the greatest because sometimes you know i'll have i'll tell family members to allow um their little ones to explore and then they come back and they're like you know what we really enjoy working with you because we still see improvements but now our child is crawling up the stairs and that freaks us out <laughs> yeah but so I'm like, yeah. oh, I'm so sorry that he's yeah. getting his milestones and getting stronger. Yeah. But, uh, you know. It, That's an activity. Stairs. Yeah, exactly. I just follow him up the stairs. I'm like, all right, here we go. Yeah. It's like the third time in the past 10 minutes. So, yeah, we're going right back up. Go ahead. I'm following you. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And let's um, finish our chat with uh, the walking milestone. So yes. uh, around what age? Yeah. So this is, this is a, I would say, a larger range for this. So mm-hmm. usually I'll say anywhere between 12 and 18 months. So I will preface that to say, you know, if your child is 16 months um, and not walking, should you have come a little bit earlier? Absolutely. Um, you shouldn't wait until you get to 16, 18, 17, whatever months before you come in to see a physio. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I mentioned previously, so long as you're seeing development and skills you know some kids that start walking at 18 months they weren't crawling until they were you know 14 months um, or 16 months or whatever it might be so Mm -hmm. so long as they're progressing in their skills then I'm okay with that Um, but where I get a little bit hesitant in that range is if you know they were cruising and everything at 11 months and then since 11 months they're now 16 months and coming into clinic and they've five months have not really gotten a new skill or done anything more refined. So for example, you know, they're not cruising any faster or they're not cruising on new surfaces. They still only stick to um, solid surfaces. Won't Mm -hmm. do it on couch cushions. Um, But 
that's kind of where I get a little bit wary, but yeah. it can be anywhere between 12 and 18 months. And I know some family doctors or some even websites will say up to two years. Oh, wow. I Again. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's a huge range. And I think any physio or any person that works in child development might give you a different number. Mm -hmm. um, but most kids walk in and around that 12 month mark um, and up to about 18. But we, we see kids walking as late as 24 months as well. Okay. And are there any, with regards to overall motor development uh, from zero to 12 months, mm -hmm. or even let's say zero to 18 months, are there any red flags? Um, for instance, I've heard sometimes some babies that regress. Is this something that would require immediate attention from your doctor? Yeah, so usually there's, if you're seeing a family doctor, they're normally looking over those uh, red flags or those things that, you know, might delay some skills. Some big ones that um, we see in clinic or family members know about are terms like floppy baby syndrome or like hypotonia is a big one where the state of the muscles are a little bit more mushy, kind of like a sponge. Mm -hmm. um, so if your baby has that, again, very common to have. It's not something... Um, that's not seen, but if your muscles aren't um, strong enough around those joints, if they're not helping the joints move as much, then you can see some of those delays. Um, but again, that's something that the family doctors or pediatricians or whoever is seeing your child will be looking for. Um, mm -hmm. Another one will we can quickly just touch on is hypermobility or excessive movement in joints so usually that's more so in the ankles of the feet um, so sometimes you'll see your child that can get into a really good squat their um, foot is touching their shin bone and they have a lot of movement in those ankles mm -hmm. sometimes if they have a lot of movement there they're not able to stabilize themselves they're not able to recruit some of those muscles to maintain a stable position so sometimes skills can be delayed there um, but again, with any of these things, you're either going to be followed by someone or you're going to be seeing like, delays in milestones happening, or you're not going to be seeing your child um, rolling over both ways. So it mm -hmm. kind of falls into the same things that we're, we've been talking about to look out for. Thank you so much for, for this talk. It really was fun to learn about, you know, all these motor milestones and just to, to talk about cute babies <laughs> moving around. <laughs> I love talking about cute babies. Yeah. So if you want to talk about them more, I'm more than happy to. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Cindy. Bye, everyone. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information about child development and learning, please visit our website at curiousneuron.com. We have new articles this month, such as which micronutrients are important when you're pregnant, why it is important for babies not to skip crawling, whether or not a baby's gut health can impact their brain development, and indicators of reading difficulties in young children. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, and until next time, stay curious! Stay curious!